I'm Gentleman Josh Hill. I'm Aaron Jeffrey. I'm Jasmine Jasmus. I'm Mike Malak. I'm Rafael Stop. Tune into Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap Podcast. Don't Tap Podcast. John Jones. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. Got a really high fight IQ. For this fight, I'm telling you, it's a flip of a coin. I levels to the shit. So many high-level guys. Okay, UFC Fight Night Song versus Simone is upon us. We have Blades and um, your boy Sergey Pavlovich behind us. Uh, you were big on the Pavlovich, Pavlovich spot. In retrospect, I should have jumped in with you. Um, because his hand speed is too fast for heavyweight, and he is a fucking problem. That guy throws so precise, so fast, he's so powerful. And the more and more camps he gets behind him where he runs wrestling defense and and gets to work on that side of his game, it's just gonna be scary for people. Because if he keeps it on the feet, you're just fucked. Like he's a way better power version of of people who are trying to do the Francis uh Francis Singano situation like how would they have played out against each other that would have been fun to watch Francis Singano throwing a little bit less Pavlovich tagging him up that would have been fun to watch anyways um just want you to sort of touch on that one it was a good sharp spot by you early take it away yeah man. <clears throat> I saw a lot of cappers going the other way man and like for me I just kind of stuck to my guns on that Curtis Blaze doesn't like to get hit and whenever he does, he tends to curl and people are like, oh, he's going to shoot a double leg, blah, blah, blah. But like, <clears throat> those are just people having the expectation. It's like Justin Gaethje shooting a takedown at this point, right? Curtis Blades has fallen a little bit in love with his striking. We've seen his last couple of fights. And he did clip Sergey, but Sergey just had better power coming forward. And once he got touched once, man, you knew it was game over. So um, as you... Pointed out too, man. I also cashed that plus fourteen hundred split decision process on Gomi's on Gomi. <clears throat> so, if people here don't follow me on Instagram, it's just my name. I post stuff all the time now, just on my story of like plays. I like you've been like doing that. that, and that's important, man. I think that we find our spots that we sort of agree upon for our podcast plays, but it doesn't mean that there's still not other spots out there. And I mean, if we're posting on social media and Twitter as well too, we have our official podcast plays and you can have some other sniffs that we're looking at, right? Personal sniffs or whatever it might be. Um, so I just like the, I like the plays. I like the fact that you're putting that out and I'm going to start sharing that on my, my social media as well too. Now that we've established what it is, we have the, you know, the podcast plays and then Nick and I are going to put out some random plays here or there. If we see some edges, right? If there's some spots, it was a sharp spot, man. I can't I can't even argue with you. Um, obviously, it played out exactly the, the way that you uh, put it out there. A huge plus money play. If anybody even put anything on it, they're making some money. Yeah, plus 1,400, man. Like, that's those are big numbers to be playing with, you know? So, But we wanted to not get too big for our britches. Um, other podcasts can do whatever the hell they want. We got to, you know, <laughs> get on that road of consistency. I don't care about having big weeks. I just want to have, like, decent gains. You know, if we come off with just slight wins every week, I'm more concerned about that. I think if we can do that week by week, I think people that listen in week by week would prefer that versus one big win. But if you can be consistent, then have a big win like you just had there. That's where the real money's at, man. So, last week's card also have been last week's card. I do also have to put out like there was so many like weird stoppages and stuff like that. Like the the Denaf fight should have never been stopped. Like there were none of the punches that Brady were land it was landing was doing any damage and he was clearly up to and pretty much three rounds there's less than a minute left so um the Tavares fight was questionable in the stoppage as well 
And then with um, Semmelsberger, Wells was dead to rights whenever Semmelsberger cracked him. Completely out. Did not know where he was. And for some reason, they didn't stop that one after like three knockdowns. So, honestly, that was one that I had hit pre-fight and put it in the chat. It was Wells by decision. Um, I just felt like he was going to be able to mix up some wrestling. Obviously, it's sketchy as hell. Um, But it it hit. So, I mean, Wells by decision um, was the power in the wrestling. I thought it might play. And uh, had some ground to make up at that point, so it was something that yeah. I thrown up. I just think the ref screwed a lot of people last week, man. Because I said yeah. there's so many questionable decisions in it. there, but it is what it is. We digress. On to the next one. Now I do have this. This this is this is this is something from a, a bet that we had. God damn, I gotta stop doing the blur thing. Um, for those of you watching, not, not for those of you listening, I have a background that blurs, so I'm trying to show that I have clippers. So I'm supposed to shave a beard. Um, Edson Barbosa, you know, came in and did, did what he did against, uh, Billy Quarantillo and, uh, I lost. So the beard's supposed to be gone. I was going to do it at the beginning of the podcast, but I thought about it. I don't want to have a bunch of video with me with this awkward hair hanging off or a bunch of hair hanging off, looking like a weirdo. And for anybody that hasn't seen me shave the beard, it's like, what's wrong with that guy? So at the end of the podcast, I'm going to shave this off. And if it ends up being good footage, I'll put it out there on social media. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, so let's dig into the card that is. We have a um, you know a rescheduled fight that is now the main event. Um, let me just pull this up quickly here, which is fine for a pause. I don't care. We have Song Yadong coming in against Ricky Simone. Song Yadong, um, nineteen seven and one, and Ricky Simone is twenty three and zero. Ricky right now can be had as favorite minus one sixteen, and Song Yadong plus one oh five. This is an interesting one. I know that you were leaning on Song Yadong early. Um, I can see both sides of it. I'll dig in with my my take on this one. But uh, what's your take on Song Yadong? I know um, you got a line early, so talk about that and what how you uh, see this fight breaking up. Yeah, man, um, I start with Song Yudong on this one, especially now that this fight's five rounds. I think this is definitely a fight that's kind of difficult to take from a money line perspective, just in a sense that Ricky Simone is really coming into his career. Uh, I do see Song Yudong having the higher ceiling, though. The kid, I think, is 23, 24 years old, <clears throat> trains at a very good gym, boxing on point, and his takedown offense is getting better. So... This is a tough one. I do like Song Yong, though. I think, as I said, the five rounds will favor him. I think Ricky Simone will struggle to get the takedowns as this goes on late. And as he starts to wear with the aggressive grappling, I feel like that Song Yong is just going to be able to piece him up. He's very good at working the body, drain that gas tank, and either get a late finish and or um, ride this out to a decision. Song Yong by decision right now is plus 500. I honestly, I see this more than likely going to a decision. So I'm relatively surprised that you're getting plus money on the over as well. The over 4.5 is plus 110. Where, honestly, man, I really see this being a close competitive fight. Yeah, I think um, I, I can sort of see your side of it. And I was sort of looking at Song Yudong as somebody who could maybe sprawl and brawl at some points, maybe get back up off his back at other points and land some of the bigger shots on the feet. Um, but I don't know, man. I think this is going to be a tough one for him. We got Song Yudong with a 59% takedown defense, and we have a guy who spams takedowns and lands about six and a half per fight. Um, and he's getting better and better with the stand-up as well, too, is, uh, is Ricky Simone. So I, 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 this is a tough one for me. I was leaning to uh, young, um, 
Song Yedong um, initially, and uh, I'm going to be on the other side of this one. I think that wrestling is likely going to win in this one. I don't think it's going to be a situation where um, Song gets back off of his feet multiple times and lands big shots. I think that Ricky's going to land some big shots from up top um, and make it look bad in some of the rounds. It could go to decision. I like the over. I think that you know either over four and a half or parlaying like an over two and a half, depending on where that line is. Um, I do think this does go over because Song Yudong is an, an animal. He showed it in that Sanhagen fight. Um, his striking getting better. He's becoming, you know, one of the, the top guys in the division for sure. It's just that takedown defense that scares me. And when you have a guy that spams that many takedowns, I'm going to be looking at uh, Story potentially, but or sorry, be looking at uh, Ricky Simone by uh, decision likely. So we're on the complete opposite sides of this. And, and for me, it's not that I have a heavy, heavy um, take on this one. I just think that the wrestling is going to ride and uh, I'm not going to be taking this one to the window, but I will be on the Ricky Simone side of this one at minus 116. Yeah. It's, the <clears throat> the money line isn't something I would touch. Um, like, and honestly yeah. the over 1.5 is minus three fifty. excuse me, which it's juiced, but I think it's a perfect parlay piece. If you want to get a little bit greedier with it over 2.5 minus 190, I think there's value there as well. Yeah, I think if you, like, the over 1.5, if you can maybe parlay it with one of your par, like, put it in one of your parlays, but don't spread it across the board, just in case. But I think it is a solid piece. I think it does hit at a high clip because I think these guys are both really durable. There'll be some grinding wrestling on the cage at points. Um, and they both will respect each other's power, too. So I think this does sort of stretch a little bit longer, and I think that you're definitely on the nail with that one. And we might even make that a play as an over. I think that this could this could run, but we'll see. What official plays we have by the end? So, next fight on the card, we have Kyle Bahayo against Mikhail Lajechuk. Good luck with this one, pal. Um, I hope you're practicing this one in the mirror. So, Kyle Bahayo, Mikhail Lajechuk. Um, we have this one's definitely going to be a, obviously a grappler versus striker scenario. Doesn't mean that Bahayo can't bang on the feet as well too and, and run his footwork as well too but i'll let you take this one away again and then i will chime in with my breakdown as well too yeah man like i like co in this fight like as you can tell by the line he's a minus 305 favor right now like it's pretty clear that he is the side um michael is live in the first round man we know how this guy strikes but co is one of these guys that we talk about that you're just willing to put your money on because he's the type of guy that really doesn't put himself in harm's way whenever it comes to it He's a solid grappler, great jujitsu, who is willing to just honestly ride out of position rather than even going for the submission. There was some questionable moments in that Mark Meridoff fight where he kept shooting for guillotines and kind of just giving up position. But I think his coaches probably would have talked to him after that one and be like, hey, like you kind of put yourself in more compromising positions than people would rather, or than people have seen you in. So he'll probably come in here knowing the power. And he'll be able to get him down. I think the first round could be close. Um, I think there's a chance he'll probably get a little bit of a better line on him because I think Michael will be able to clip him a couple times in the first round. But I think this hits the mat. Michael's got very questionable cardio. Um, I put this play out on my Instagram earlier. I sprinkled the uh, second round sub by CEO at plus 650 and the third round sub at plus 1200. So I think once Michael blows his gas tank or just spends too much time on the bottom, He'll end or Seal will end up being able to find the submission. And I didn't say his last name once because we know how that will go. But you did fuck up his first name seven times. That's okay though. Um, 
<laughs> no, I, I love it. This is part of it, right? So Kyle Bahayo, um, yeah, I mean, the stand-up's there, but it's more he's he's really good with the stand-up in, in his defense, right? He has great footwork to be able to stay on the outside perimeter. He works his distance and then shoots his takedown to somebody over, extends themselves, which McCall will likely do. And, I, you know, I was looking at how can we find an OJ Chuck um, spot here? But it's just, I, I think he's going to overextend himself at points and, and, you know, maybe find himself with some success at, you know, landing a couple shots on Bahayo. And Bahayo is just going to set him up for a takedown and, you know, shoot a takedown. He does have some pretty solid uh, takedowns that way. It's sort of a hybrid between wrestling and, and jiu-jitsu takedowns that he runs. Um, and he's going to end up getting him down to the ground. I don't know if he submits him here. Um, but yeah, oh, J. Chuck, it will be probably a fish out of water at points. And, and I do like the second round sub is, you know, that's one of my favorites. I think the second round sub is a, a high clip play for anybody who's a high level uh, jujitsu practitioner. So um, I'm, I'm with you on the side and uh, I'm even with you on the play as well, too. I just think that you, you'll probably will, like you said, get more a better line going into the second round if you want to lie about it as well, too, because you may see a little bit of success from OJ Chuck um, on the feet because he just lands. Like the judges love him. They he lands big shots. They're pretty precise. His boxing is very sound, uh, very explosive fighter. So 18-5 and 0. I mean, I, I wouldn't hate anybody trying to take a dog shot on it as I'm talking myself into that, but I just think, like I said, I think you're on the right side with the the takedowns. Kyle wins that and uh we'll go for a CO win. Right? CO? CO. <laughs> All right. Next fight on the card. I believe we're on the same side of this one. Um, we have, and I'll, I'll lead on this one. We have Adolfo Vieira coming in, um, eight and two and Cody Brunage coming in at eight and three. And right now Brunage could be had plus two Oh five dog and Vieira minus two thirty favored right now. Um, I get the high level pedigree of the jujitsu. But we've seen what Fluffy Hernandez did when we drag when he drags that into a situation where Rodolfo Vieira does gas himself. Is that gone now? I don't know. We don't know. But it has shown itself before. So that's a mark against him right there. If we look at the loss again to um, when he fought Chris Curtis, Chris Curtis sort of dragged him deep. He actually showed that he had a little bit of a better gas tank. And he did have um, an improved stand-up as well, too. So we know exactly what his win condition is going to be. He's either going to control the grappling situation to a decision. I don't think actually he has an edge on the feet. Some people I hear talking about that um, and or submit Cody Brunich. Now, if we, on the flip side at the dog with Cody Brunich, this is a guy who is known for his wrestling game, but has Muay Thai and a guy who has power in his hands and goes for it. So I don't know. I think that if he knows and goes in and pushes a fast pace, and a hard pace on Adolfo Vieira at pushing him on his back foot, but trying to avoid those those takedowns. I mean, I, I think he could get him tired. I think that Cody Brunage is a live dog here. And, it, you know, some books, it's plus 230. Um, like I said, plus 205, I think, was the, the line I was just looking at uh, as best line, actually. So I think um, topology might be a little bit behind. They usually are. But um, I think just Cody's going to be able to, I like him. And I just think he's live. I think that if these two fought 10 times, I think it's, it's a lot closer. And I think the line is a little bit off. Um, I think that he's getting a little, uh, Vieira is getting a little bit more love for his black belt. And uh, that's it, man. I just think uh, this might not go to decision, but I just like the dog. I think the dog is enough value right there. Yeah, I agree with you there, man. I think if you're going to play Brundage, you definitely play the KO at plus 400 though. 
I know in like these spots, like you know, you don't want to take too much of a plus money thing and try and expand it because you're already getting good value. But honestly, Cody Burnage has questionable cardio too. Um, my favorite play on this fight, other than the fact that obviously I'm playing Cody Brundage, is um, if you guys have DraftKings, you can use the alternative method of victory with double chance, and you get Rodolfo Fierro by submission or Cody Brundage by KO and minus 280. You're only paying an extra uh, 30 points on top of what VR already is, and you're pretty much covering both guys' win condition. I think it's probably the best way to play it <clears throat> because I said it's either Brundage is going to piece him up and Vieira is not going to like what's coming his way. I know a lot of people talk about how Curtis didn't get him out of there, but Curtis isn't a guy that's known for KOing people. He's a slick boxer who likes to put things together, who doesn't hunt for the finish. Brundage has about a round and a half of cardio, and then after that, he's given up anyways. So if he doesn't KO Vieira early, he's going to get subbed regardless. So I think it's the best way to play it. I think it's a good parlay piece on a fight that's highly versatile, but... As I do already have a play on Cody Brownage by KO at plus 400. And, and I do like the KO at plus 400, but I even still just think there's enough value on the dog. I mean, I don't know. I, I think even just at that plus money, like, do you see another dog on this card that's going to be a, a cleaner pick as far as a dog pick as far as value? There's another guy named Cody on this card as well. There is a Durden out there. Um, I'm sort of leaning Brownage. I think he has the better hands – um, on the feet, I just think that, and and although he'll go for it, maybe we look at an under, but I think that just him alone at uh, as the dog play, and we can maybe look at his prop play for you, but um, I think that might be the dog of the week, depending on how we break this one down. So yeah, I like him. Man. Cody Brundage over there. Next fight on the card, we have Julian Arosa, twenty eight ten and O coming in against Fernando Padilla, fourteen four and O. Um, Let's just take a look at this matchup. So we have Arosa coming in. He is six foot one, 74 inch reach. Um, Padilla actually coming in six foot one, 76 inch reach. So um, this is going to be a battle of two long fighters. Um, we know that Arosa is a jujitsu practitioner, some decent takedowns, um, but really he just thrives on chaos. He wants to fight standing. He wants to bloody you up. He wants to create chaos. That's what he is, is a chaos creator. Um, and obviously, he's coming off that KO loss to uh, Alex, uh, Alex Caceres, which, I mean, doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. I mean, I know it was nicely placed, but um, it just doesn't look good, man. So, um, Fernando Padilla on the, on the other side, solid Muay Thai fighter. Um, his box is pretty decent. He fights pretty decently in, uh, in the pocket as well, too. Um, and his clinch work, I mean, the knees, the elbows are there. Good dirty box. Good takedown defense, or sorry, his takedown defense is the problem. Sorry, just going off notes here. This is a relatively new guy to me. So um, from what I can see, his takedown defense is a little bit of a problem. But he's aggressive with his strikes and his submissions. It's just the aggressiveness with the striking may pro provide a situation for Arosa to take it down to the ground if he wants to. And I think we might see that in this fight from him, to be honest. I know he does like the fight on the feet. I know that's a little bit narrative. I'm not really leaning aside too heavy on this one. I know that if it does go to the ground, it could go either way with the, the submissions. But um you know, I'm leaning, obviously, Arosa in this one. He's at my, minus 130 favorite over the plus 125 dog for Padilla. But uh, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I slightly lean Arosa, but Arosa is somebody that can retract some of my money. Um, oh, wow. I think with Padilla, I think that he's going to be able to have his moments in this fight. And with him coming in, I think he's really going to want to make a statement. So, honestly, I like violence in this fight, man. 
Um, the under 2.5 minus 160, I don't hate it. It's not too juiced for two guys that are going to come in here and bang. I think it's a good play. Um, okay. Because I said, I don't necessarily know how it would play. Like, Juicy J could easily get in his face and just kind of work him. And Fernando, like, he's got finishes by KO, finishes by sub. He's kind of really good like everywhere it. this go, everywhere this so fight goes. So what is that seeing currently? Uh, minus 160. Okay. We'll make that a podcast play. Next fight on the card, we have Marco uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima coming in at uh, twenty and eight, coming in against Waldo Cortez Acosta nine and zero. Acosta, the dog, plus one thirty eight, and Rogerio de Lima coming in as the favorite, minus one seventy five. Um, this is definitely um, uh, going to be a fun one, that's for sure. Um, someone's going to sleep. Someone's lights are going out in this one. I'm not fully sold. I got to be honest yet on Acosta. Everybody seems to be, and I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if you are. I'm not fully sold on this guy yet. I think that although he does have slick boxing, he still throws looping punches when he gets a little bit tired. I think that's a liability um, 100%. So, you know, this is definitely not going to see the judges' scorecards. I don't see this one seeing the judges' scorecards. But if you look at the, the athleticism of Acosta, though he does gas a little bit, he's able to push through. Does he finish the Lima late or does the Lima finish him early? I sort of see that that's how this is going to play. Both guys are going to meet in the middle, both really explosive. Um, and Delima is used to sort of being an intimidating force and backing guys down. He's not going to be able to do that to Acosta. So I just think this fight doesn't go the distances. Obviously going to be the play. I think most people are on already, but um, that's my play. I just sort of stay off this one because really um, I'll go with the Lima as the pick, but I'm not strong on it. Two guys powerful, they're going to bang. I got to be honest with you, I disagree with one thing that you said on this a lot, is that you think this fight's going to end. I think this fight's going to absolutely suck. I think that if Waldo does hit him, he's not going to have the KO power to KO him because he couldn't KO Chase Sherman or Jared Vendera, which are both awful guys that have gas tank issues that generally get KO'd very quickly. <clears throat> and as for Waldo, like, or sorry, as uh, for DeLima, I think the Lima's not going to want to stand with them. So it's going to be really similar to what we saw with like Tanner Bozer and stuff like that, where he's just going to come in the heavier guy and lay on top of him and do heavy breathe on him and do literally nothing this whole fight. Gas himself out probably by laying on top of him if he wins. See, I think he's going to have to press a little bit on him with some striking uh, in order to get in there. I don't think he's going to be able to just run in for a takedown. I think he's going to get clipped on the way in, whether it's to not, whether you think he gets knocked out or not, I think he's going to get respect and back off on his takedowns that way. I think he's going to have to force his way in with some striking. And in his past fights, when he's forced to striking, there's finishes there, man. There's power there. So all I was saying is the Lima finish early or where I see the, the finish from Acosta would be late because the Lima sort of gases and uh, Acosta can actually land some big shots and, and more volume amount. Now, with that, um, we're on flip sides of this. I think this one finishes inside the distance. You're on the, the wrestling and the, the grind up to the decision. So we'll just leave this off the card as far as yeah, I wouldn't don't bet this fight. Honestly, no, yeah. if this fight happens, go get yourself a beer or go do something. I really don't expect if, much. If of anything, it. like you both just given two perspectives on it, and one is gonna be right, likely, and um, you know. I'm talking shit. He's trying to be me. nice, you know, he's giving me the real breakdown. I'm just like these are greasy heavyweights. Nice? Is that what it is? Am I the nice guy? <laughs> These are greasy, fat nice heavyweights. That... I'm a prick. And we're going to talk about a real fat heavyweight soon. I got some opinions on. 
All right, next fight in the card, we have Josh Quinlan coming in against Trey Waters. Um, Trey Waters coming in on short notice. Um, he is what he fought two weeks ago and just won the welterweight title in the LFA, which is absolutely amazing. But what is the turnaround going to do for him? I mean, it could be good for him just coming off of a camp and having a successful win the way he did. Um, very long fighter, very sound boxing. Uh, utilizes the jab very well, and he's just fundamentally sound. And, and so I think he could come in and, and do a little bit of work, but I just think that Josh Quinlan's a force, man. Uh, Quinlan coming in 6-0-0, uh, and, and he's just a finisher. Explosive fighter, black belt in jiu-jitsu in his back pocket, but lands big shots, strong wrestling. He's just the, the total package when he's not, you know, pissing hot, you know? What's your take on this one? Obviously, we're on Quinlan. I like inside the distance plays. Fight doesn't go the distance plays. Give me some violence. Short notice tells me violence already anyways. Quinlan's already a violence guy anyways. So is Waters. He's a finisher too. So give me a, you know, a Quinlan play or a violence play. What do you got for, for lines and breakdown? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, Marty and Quinlan, man. There's another one I posted on my Instagram. Quinlan plus 125 the KO prop. I think that the weight cut's going to be a big issue. If you look at Trey Waters, man, the guy's 6'5", which is big for this division. Um, <clears throat> he's one of these guys, man. He's a killer be killed fight. His only loss is against Gabriel Buffin, which is a guy that, you know, we saw absolutely decimate Terrence McKenney. But it was a bump flute choke. Hey, man, that's even worse. It's a caveat. It's in round one. Yeah. But no, I'm know, just I, saying I'm sort of shitting on the Von Flute show because it's not something you want to get submitted by. But that's it. That's OSP's move. Okay. Nobody else's. But yeah, dude, I, I think that um I think he's gonna shoot for takedowns because you know, if you look at a lot of his career, a lot of his wins do come from chokes and stuff like that on the ground. I think he's probably gonna gas early. I'm gonna be honestly surprised if he even makes weight whenever it comes to this. I think cutting weight is going to be very, very difficult to get himself down in this uh, time period. So I'm all in, man. And honestly, like, as I said, like, um, whenever it comes to Josh Quinlan, man, I, Josh Quinlan, sorry, I think this dude is the real deal. I think this guy's got a high ceiling in the UFC. He's just getting better and better. So I'm excited to see what we see from this guy next, given he gets when past. When the training. lines come out more and there's more, like, actual fight lines, like the under two and a half parlayed is probably something to look at. I just think that hits at a very uh, high. I may clip. have a line for it right now. I have the KO prop and everything like that already. So KO is good. It just scares me just in case, you know, Trey doesn't get knocked out fully off a shot and then Gwynlin grabs a neck because he has in the past. It's that that's what scares me about that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't have a line right now. So I'm not going. saying it's not a likelihood. It's it's a strong likelihood that's how that finishes by KO, but the the sub potential there is like a rear naked choke he gets to jump on and grab because he doesn't get him out fully. Yeah, over under uh, under two point five minus two fifty, not a bad look. Under one point five minus one ten, but I don't like betting under one point five, man. No, because every single time I do, I'm that guy that you know. That's five the seconds. Line. Yeah, five that's seconds. That's the bookies there. line. That's it, man. Unless it's like a lock, and they they're pretty much on all the lines now. They, they figured out yeah. MMA lines now. You're Always really pay the juice, man. Always pay the juice, because if not, you end up like it goes over one round and a half, like four seconds, and you're sitting there just like. It's true. Feeling like a chump. Okay, so Josh Quinlan is the side. We're going to put out likely a finished prop um, as official play and maybe an under as well, too, as a parlay piece, depending on what a parlay we come up with. Next fight on the card, we have Martin Badai coming in against Jake Collier. This is where I, I struggle to be respectful. Um, 
I just don't know. I was on the Martin Badai side in his last fight. I don't know what, what to think about what he's done more recently. Um, it's just baffles me in his striking and, and he sort of let fights just slip away from him looking like a deer in headlights at times. Jake Collier fighting up five, five or six weight classes um, should be fighting at lightweight. I think isn't it lightweight. Isn't it lightweight. He's supposed to be at, but he's fighting at heavyweight, you know, uh, he wants to eat and I, uh, and I respect that about him, you know, do you think homie? Um, but then that comes with the disadvantage of being a little bit smaller against guys. Although right now this matchup, they're pretty, they're not too, uh, there's not a huge disparity in size. Um, four inches taller uh well actually six inch reach not a good deal for him so Collier finding himself undersized again probably a little bit more of a slick fighter as far as tricky with his wrestling tricking tricky with his grappling subs are there but I mean Chase Sherman's sub doesn't make you a, a black belt um at the highest level with 17 stripes so I'm not looking for a sub that way and really I think I spent too much time already on it but, but I, I I just don't know what to say about the guy I don't really have any comment about him anymore um came in looking like a, a a domino or a domination, uh, just a guy that was going to come in and destroy people and just looked lost in his last fight. So I'm going to stay off this one. Uh, I, this fight's going to be a slot fest likely. And uh, yeah, I mean, Collier, go back down to lightweight and uh, Badai, I don't know what to say, man. Let's see what you got. Yeah, uh, I like Badai in the spot. Badai, Badai. Two different well, things. I mean, one cleans your ass and one is his name. I like Martin in this spot, okay? Um, It's like you said, man. I can't put any respect on Jake's name, man. The dude is a literal middleweight who put on 55 pounds and straight up said in an interview, I just want to eat. Don't realize, in fact, that like there's another weight class in between there, and it's not far. Like 185 to 205 is still 30 pounds. That is a lot of weight. He could have still eaten and gone up one weight class, but he decided to blow up to 260 because he really wanted to eat. Like, I'm picturing this dude, like, at a hot dog eating contest, just stuff in his face how badly he wants to eat. So, we saw in his fight, man, like, against um, our boy there doing backflips, Chris Barnett. Even whenever he fought Chris Barnett, man, he put an actual beating on him and then gassed himself out because he shouldn't be fighting at heavyweight and eating all those hot dogs. So, <clears throat> I like Boudet in this spot, man. Grace is going to... John's going to talk shit. I like Budai in this fight. I think that he's just going to be the better fighter, man. He's going to be able to hold him up against the cage. He's going to drain him, man. This fight probably goes to a decision. It's going to be greasy. Split decision props. But, uh, no, I like uh, I like Martin by decision, man. Like, on a serious note, I just think that he'll probably be able to land the better shots. Jake will be live in the first, and then he'll probably take over late. We've seen in a lot of fights, man. He's able just to hold you up against the cage, not do a lot. And just enough to win. So I expect a similar performance. Yeah. I mean, so Badai is a guy's name who I've fucked up a thousand times too, but it is one of the few names where you want to get it right. And that's in that realm because I mean, one is his name. The other is an ass win. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, I digress. Next fight on the card. We have. Potentially another dog. We have Cody Durden coming in against Charles Johnson. Um, right now, Cody Durden, 14-4-1. Um, Charles Johnson, 13-4-1. Durden coming off of a win. And Charles Johnson coming off of his loss to Odie Osborne, where everybody was surprised. I was on the Osborne on that side. Um, and, man, that ended up playing out. Um, he, he sort of plays close. And I think that's Johnson's problem. I think he's way more talented than he shows at times. On the feet, his stand-up is, is pretty sound. So 
to look at this matchup, um, we have Jordan coming in. Like I said, uh, he is the dog at plus 130 and Johnson the favorite at minus 125. Johnson, high volume. He's a slick boxer, utilizes his elbows well. He's active constantly in his striking, even in grappling exchanges. Um, takedown defense is his sort of kryptonite, is his issue. Um, and Durden is a wrestler. So this is where this is going to be uh, an issue, I think. You know, Durden will spam takedowns, but loves, or is starting to fall in love with his stand up a little bit. I think this is a, a situation where he wants to just use his, his stand up to really close that distance, use some of that little bit of pop that he has in his punches to press um, Johnson up against the cage and make this ugly. I think, you know, the line's pretty tight and I think it's pretty well lined. Um, but I, I just think that Durden can make this with utilizing his wrestling and some dirty box, make this ugly. And if it goes to decision could win the decision. If not, uh, um, I think the style, the way that the style, these styles match up, I think that Durden is going to be able to land some bigger shots um, as he's mixing in that wrestling and grinding out, uh, you know, some chain wrestling on the fence. You're going to see Johnson sort of sprawl off, land some elbows, land some, some volume on the feet. So if you go to decision and go either way, I think when you have this, you know, if we if Durden's line crawls back over, I say to plus 150, I think there's value on that. Um, because when you're looking at a pick him that crawls over plus 150, I think these guys are more of a pick him anyways, my my thoughts. Um, what's your thoughts? Do you think Durden's wrestling is strong enough to mix it up um with Johnson and, and sort of nullify that that striking? Because that really is the highest level of things here. I think Johnson's striking is the the greatest attribute in this matchup. Yeah, it's not that I don't think it is. It's that I think that Charles Johnson is just shooting to take fights at this point. Like, I don't understand why he's, you know, he's going on to have six fights this year. That's my thing. Like, I don't, like, we're not able, April 29th. This is his second fight. He only fought three months ago where he lost a very close it's not going to, where's his Ode Osborne fight? Not even three months ago, where he lost a very close decision, right? Like one month and two weeks ago. Yeah, one month, two weeks ago, man. Like on top of that, he fought in January prior to that against Jimmy Flick. Like that's I don't months. see. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I looked at best fight odds, and for some reason it didn't have. No, it's all good, but you're right. Like his volume of of fighting recently, it's he's just in and out of camp right away, and eventually that's got to wear on you, know. And that's it, right? And like you know, Ode Osborne was able to take him down like three or four times, and. It, it just, I see a lot of people being like, oh, like he didn't prepare for the takedowns, right? But as somebody who does this as a professional career, even if you don't prepare for the takedowns, you would think you have the ability to stuff them. Or if not, at least, you know, preventive measures going into it, right? So I don't agree with the argument that he's just magically going to develop good takedown defense. Salgas was able to take him down a couple of times. Like, I think Cody Durden is going to be able to win enough minutes in this fight that as a dog... It's worth taking. Um, best play on the fight is definitely the over. You get plus 180 on either one of the guys to win decision. Might be one of those fights where a split decision prop can, can come in handy, right? Because Durden's going to have the wrestling. Johnson's going to have the striking. And you think, I think like, in that first round, if we see that Johnson's getting some success on the feet, maybe I bet Cody second round? Yeah, yeah. Because Johnson's also a questionable cardio too, right? Like even in that Odie Osborne fight, yeah, he took it on short notice. But the point is, third round, he had nothing left. Like, he gave that fight away for himself. So, And he does make questionable decisions once his cardio does go out the window. So, I just think – I think if he does have success on the feet in that first round, there is some value in that live bet. I think this might be a live bet play. What do you think? I like it. 
Yes, I also do question the heart of Johnson too. Like, there's part of me that thinks that when he's taking fights at this degree, it's like, is he just doing it for a paycheck where he doesn't necessarily care if he wins or loses? Because I said three fights in, you know, we're pretty much not even halfway through the year. It's it's kind of questionable why he put himself in that position, right? Like, it means you don't necessarily have the highest title aspirations. He's not coming out here starching his opponents. He doesn't have a crazy amount of hype behind him that he's trying to not let go of. So I do question the reasoning why he's doing this. So if the line does creep back over plus 150, we'll actually just make that a play. If it does creep out there, yeah, say, like wings, whatever it would be. If it doesn't, then we look at where we might be able to get value. If it's Johnson's having success in that first round, the sort of guidance will be, Hammer, dirt, and alive going to that second round because the wrestling could take over and then exactly. make two rounds to one decision, dirt, and, and or late submission. Um, I like it. It could be possible. Okay. Um, next fight in the card, we have Stephanie Egger coming in against Irina Alexiva. Alexiva. There you go. You got that one? Alexiva. Okay. So Good. Egger coming in 8 3 and 0. Alexiva 4 1 and 0. Um, with this one, man, it's – I've actually – Edgar sort of scares me because she's looked amazing at times and then she doesn't look so hot at other times. We have Alex Siva coming in. She's a, a hardcore sambo artist, man. So it, it sort of counterbalances a little bit of that judo. Some of those clinches will be interesting with those two and and how that sort of lands when they when they actually land on the ground. Um Alex Sivas is a little bit more of a chaos creator herself. She likes to come in and just sort of be wild, create sort of scrambles and, and, and end up in dominant positions on top um, and look for subs. That's sort of her play. We have uh, obviously Edgar coming in with her judo, solid striking, or at least the, the striking is getting better and better. The power is there. Um, some good takedowns and solid uh, defense as far as uh, solid sub defense as well. Sorry, I'll cut that. The one thing that we got to look at is her sub defense. Obviously, she recently has been subbed. So that is something that we want to take a look at. Um, I'll let you take this one away, and I'm just going to grab my charger quickly as we wrap this up. Yeah, man, I have to agree with that Stephanie Eggert's side here. She's a minus 305 favorite. So, you know, once again, like you're not really telling you something you don't already know. Um, with Arena Alex Savia, she's coming in. She's making her UFC debut. She's somebody that, you know, I could see having potential, but she's only four and one, doesn't have that much experience. Uh, most of her experiences against people with terrible records, she's only ever bought one person with a winning record and she lost to that person. So I think this is just going to be an absolute domination. I think Edgar probably gets her down and gets the submission. Um, it's a fight that I actually like the under on. I think you touched on that as well. Just given the fact that these girls are going to come in here for broke. And, you know, I think the sub is probably the most live in the spot. Yeah, I think that's a solid play. And if you're looking at it, I had to step away for just one second. Were you saying the fight ends in submission or Stephanie Egger by submission? I think Stephanie Egger odds are wins a decision, but fight ends in submission, I think is a good play. Yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, win condition for both girls. Um, and we've seen in. in I don't want to say it, but it will. In women's MMA, um, we can get underdogs that uh, sort of come up with a big submission or a big, uh, you know, volume campaign on the feet and, and end up winning decisions. So I, I don't mind that play. We'll take, what, what was the line again? Uh, fight ends and submissions plus 180. I wish I had, if that was over plus 200, I, I think that might be I know, we'll it's the extra 20 it points. Little, you know, because I could see this going to decision or it likely ends in submission, so. 
Um, they know. They know. Yeah, because Stephanie Egger by submission is plus 150, where Irene by submission is plus 1,100. So if you're going to take that route, I would just sprinkle the plus 1,100. Sounds good. Next fight on the card, we have Haley Cohen coming in 7-2-0. She is the dog at plus 126. Jamie Lynn Horth coming in at 5-0-0. She is the favored best bet at minus 120. This one, man, if you look at it, both girls, decent kickboxers. Um, and really, I think Jamie Lynn Horth, she opened as the dog. She was, what, plus 175, if you want to just double-check that. But I think she was the dog when this opened. Um, but decent... Um, kickboxing, very disciplined fighter, very sound fighter, stays within herself, runs her distance well and explodes when she needs to. Um, two out of her five fights finished in rear naked choke. And I want you to follow me along on this one. So two of her five um, finishes um, resulted in a rear naked choke. And then if you look on the flip side of things, Haley Cohen, decent kickboxer. She has some pop in her hands, very athletic, can push the pace when she needs to. Um, both of her losses have come to chokes. One a gilly and one a rear naked choke. So there's a win condition sort of lined up for me there. And I almost want to jump on it just as if you're going to touch the play, touch it as far as Jamie Lynn Horth sub. That's where, sort of where I'm leaning on this one, just to sort of hit a, a crazy prop player there. What's the line currently sitting on that, if, you, if it is out there? Uh, give me a sec. I don't have it on DraftKings. So um, Horth coming off the BFL regional scene um, did very well there. Like I said, all of her wins or finishes, her, her her two coming via rear naked choke as well, too. If you look at the under, I did actually see the under two and a half was plus 165. Sort of like that plan. I don't think this fight goes the distance. Yeah, um, I, I do agree. Um, to answer your question from earlier, Cowan opened a minus 205 favor with the return on horse being a plus 175. So that's, um, that's a $3, bro. You can see it. Like I, I, it's not a matter of um, watching it on tape. It's a matter of you can see um, in some of the training, follow her online. Um, and I was able to get a hold of a little bit of tape, actually. But um, yeah, she fights for dollars. She's, she's a go-getter. That's kind of the issue I ran into here is I couldn't really find much um, tape whenever it came to Horth. I hear that's what a lot of people are saying. Um, Horth by submission, you're not getting too much value on it right now, to be honest. It's plus 400 is at open, but it's not released on other books yet. So we'll see what the actual line is that they put out there. Um, I agree, man. I'll take your word for it. I don't really care much for Cowan. I don't think she's that great. And I had, I wasn't able to find much tape on Horth. So judging by the line movement, clearly somebody did because that line's completely flipped and will probably end the complete polar opposite of where it started. So I'm with you, man. I'll ride it. Okay. So I think we'll go with the under then the under <sighs> two and a half at plus plus one sixty-five. unless we can find a decent line. If I go, doesn't go the distance, which will alter the play and go with the value there and just be a little bit safe on that point five of the round. Okay. So that will be one place. So it'll be essentially a fight doesn't go the distance or under two and a half for the first fight of the night. Um, Stephanie Edgar and Alex Siva, I think we stay off that one, although plus 180 does seem a little appealing. It's just if it doesn't, if we're stretching ourselves out for no reason, I think. Um, I like the Cody Durden play. If Charles Johnson starts to light up Cody Durden a little bit or has some success on the feet in the first round, I think Durden live. Um, Durden will maybe turn it on with the wrestling going into that second and third and maybe squeak out two rounds if Johnson does take over in that first. What do you think? Live play? I agree. Martin Budai, Budai, Jake Collier. We're going to stay off that one. Quinlan, um, inside the distance. What's the inside the distance play on that one? Uh, what do you think we play that just in case to be safe? Yeah. We, we need some wins. 
but I, I think it still falls in line with what you think. I like it. So Josh Quinlan inside the distance. Um, Waldo Cortez Acosta and Marcos Ruggiero de Lima. Let's just stay off that one. It may be a fun one to watch. I think the two guys are going to go in there and bang in the first round, to be honest. You think it's going to be a, a little bit of a blanket fest, but we shall see. Julian Orosa and Fernando Padilla, minus 160 or minus 165 for under two and a half, was it? Yeah. Okay. And I think we'll make that a podcast play. So I guess we're back in over underworld. Um, it is what it is. Cody Brundage, our dog of the week. I like We're it. Good? Yeah, okay. plus 195. And then Bohio, um, by submission, is going to be, I think, our crazier, and really it isn't that crazy. We'll do a bigger prop play. We'll do submission second round, um, Bohio, and maybe look at – we'll try to find something else with, with that fight as well, too. I like it. And we are split on the Yadong Song fight. So Ricky Simone against Yadong Song – or Song Yadong, sorry. Um, yeah, man, I, I think the wrestling is going to to win that fight. But, I mean, if you want to look at maybe what the takedown lines will be on that, if you can get a Ricky Simone takedowns and, and go on the over for sure or go on, you know, three or more takedowns, whatever the hell it might be, um, I think that happens. Does he win necessarily by decision? Who knows? You could even get Song by decision, Simone prop play, something. Do whatever you want to do with that fight. I'm on Simone. He's on Song but we're staying off it. On that note, this is where the world changes for me because I'm going to get in shit this small, tomorrow. All right. Billy, you're probably going to see this. This is for you, bud. I backed you in the fight against uh, against your boy, Edson Barbosa. And uh, a bet's a bet. You drink out of your work boots on camera, and I got to do this on camera. So <laughs> this is going to be ugly. I'm going to Dagestan. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to get it all on camera, but we're going to just do a good job. You know, you could rock a goatee, you know. Now it really looks like a Dagestani beard. It's all over the place. All right. For Nick Eagle. I am Callum McGregor, shaving my beard on camera. The things I do for this fucking podcast. <laughs> we like to break down fights. We like to uh, watch some tape and, you know, we just love mixed martial arts because we're passionate about it. That's it, brother. As I'm shaving my beard on YouTube. Um, oh, there he is. There's my face again. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much shit when I go upstairs. I hope you know that. But that is the, the way to the bet. And I, I got to, you know, I got to stick with it. We could have just sort of brushed this under the rug. But like I was saying to Nick off camera for the one person that's like, hey, the fucking guy didn't shave his beard. How's he going to say it and not do it? So I shaved it on camera. It's gone. The beard is gone. Next week, I am pretty excited for what we have. We have a, a huge show for the pay-per-view. We have Shane Shaolin Campbell coming on. He's going to be giving his breakdowns for a handful of the fights on the card. Um, high-level Muay Thai practitioner, high-level striker, um, former UFC fighter, and maybe UFC fighter again. Um, he has been tearing up the Canadian re regional scene for some time now, and I look forward to having him on and getting his insights on the card. So uh, Shane Shallon Campbell next week. And uh, for Nick Eagle, I'm Callum McGregor. I digress. 
Let's roll in the next week, man. Don't stop, guys.